Hey, look, here's the deal. We're glad you all are here tonight. You've heard a lot of information. Our hope is that this will be a springboard also for transformation for you personally and for your groups. My prayer uh, for that testimony is it will inspire you uh, to really move forward together. Uh, we need one another. And some of the darkest moments that we have come from physical injury, others from emotional wrestling matches, others from spiritual dark seasons, others, like we're going to study at the prophet of Jonah tonight, uh, come from consequences of decisions uh, that we make. Um, and so uh, we're going to start a series, this uh, Reset Gathering. It's our hope that uh, we can reach out to folks who aren't a part of groups and, and really uh, lay a foundation for information that we're going to study that we pray the Holy Spirit uses through the Word for a total transformation of our lives, of relationships, uh, of your places where you live, your homes, and our neighborhoods, and among the nations. We hope He calls people from here, like He did Jonah, uh, to go out to reach the nations. So that's our hope in uh, this, the handout that I'm handing you, I'm not going to ask that you just look at it, but it is a baseline of information. The series we're going to start tonight is called Major Truths from the Minor Prophets. Uh, we're going we're, we're to spend the next several months doing this, uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Tonight we're going to look at Jonah. Let me ask you, what do you know about minor prophets? Who are the minor prophets? What? Jonah is a minor prophet, yes. All right, Grace is now winning one to nothing. All right, does anybody uh, know anything about the minor prophets? I'm not looking for names as much as maybe who they are. Anyone? They're not major prophets, that's right, yeah. These were the guys that showed up to bars and they were like, hey, I'd love to buy you a drink, but I can't because I'm a minor, right? Yeah, those are the minor prophets. No, that's that. Wah, wah, wah. Y'all are like, did he just make a dad joke about alcohol? Did that really just happen? It did. Yeah, free of charge from us to you, Chick-fil-A in volumes of humor. All right, who are the minor prophets? Huh? Not names. Why are they, why are they minor? Nobody knows. Look, here's the deal. Uh, there are smaller books of prophecy. There's major prophets, long books of the Bible, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Minor prophets are going to be smaller, uh, but we're focusing on the major truths that come from them uh, all throughout Scripture because we want to highlight for you that every part of Scripture matters and we can find Christ uh, in alignment with the redemptive story in Scripture in every single part of the Bible. And so we're going to give you the context of uh, each minor prophet book that we're going to look at. We're going to highlight one to four verses and tell you the larger story, the historical context of where that prophet was. Uh, we're going to align that, those, um, uh, that context for the prophet and his, his message uh, with the larger historical context and the larger redemptive narrative of Scripture that's centered on Christ and that is hope and healing for all who believe. Like, it's going to be a fun journey, and we're going to uh, try to give you a platform where you can really dive deep into Scripture. All right, so uh, Jonah was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel uh, during the reign, let me get this right, of Jeroboam. That means nothing to you all, because it really isn't a major part of the story. Uh, Jonah uh, like other minor prophets that some of y'all mentioned, uh, Hosea was a minor prophet. The, the real journey of his life uh, was the medium of his message, okay? So what do you know about the trajectory of the life of Jonah? What are things that come to mind? Yes. Oil? oil? Oh, whale. I was like, oil, yes. It's a good Texas answer. 
you're right in South Texas generally if you say three things. Jesus, breakfast burrito, breakfast taco, or oil, right? So, Caleb, that was good. That was good. Okay, so, no, there's a large fish in the story. What else do you know about Jonah? He was a minor thing. Thank you, Eric, our biblical scholar. His brain's still working. Yeah. That's right. That's right. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. Anybody know why? He, they worshipped the fish. Yeah. They did worship the fish in Nineveh. Fish God. And why, why did Jonah think the Ninevites should be punished? Sure. Not only were they very sinful, what else was Assyria? The capital of Assyria was Nineveh. What else were they? The enemy of Israel. So if you can imagine, like, the largest enemy of the United States, if you were to give a top two list right now, who are the two biggest enemies of our country? North Korea. North Korea, who else? Canada? <laughs> who said Canada? It's like America's hat. We need those guys. Okay? No. All right, say North Korea. I'm going to say Chinese or Russia, right? So if you get caught, what's the capital of North Korea? Yeah, imagine, imagine if God called you and said, hey, I want you to go to Pyongyang, or I want you to go to Beijing or Moscow or whatever, and I want you to call them into relationship with me. Uh, most folks uh, in our culture today would have a problem with that. Um, uh, go to Kabul. We want you to preach the gospel to the Taliban, but they're like stealing women, and they are, uh, they are slaughtering people over there. That's right. I want you to go preach the gospel to them, but they are literally capturing people and killing them. That's right. Now go and preach the gospel. So if you can imagine, this is the call of Jonah, and you can see it in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. God spoke to Jonah, and he said, go to Nineveh, which carries all of those uh, connotations with it, and basically call them repent and tell them to come to me. And so Jonah was told to go east to Nineveh, and where did he go? West. He went west. Like, he went the exact opposite direction. God said go to Nineveh. He went on a ship to Tarshish. God said go east, and my man went west. In fact, if you look at your Bibles, which I hope you have open, it says twice in verse 3, Jonah rose to flee from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And then down in verse 10 again, uh, the men in the boat will meet in a minute. They said, uh, what are you doing? And they knew he had told them, it said, Jonah, it said Jonah had told them, he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Jonah was completely uninterested in being in God's presence and following God's word, and doing what God had commanded him to do, uh, for lots of reasons, one of which was he had an idolatry of nationalism, uh, he had a self-righteousness and didn't believe that a totally pagan people could repent and be saved, uh, and I think he was just generally self-centered. He was a good Westerner, and he probably had the earliest versions of the iPhone and the iPad and iTunes and all this stuff that re revolves around ourselves. We're good at that, and, and Jonah was there. Uh, he had it. Uh, can we learn anything 
from a prophet that rejects God and his call? What do you think? Ashley, you're shaking your head yes. Yeah? yeah? Why do you think we can? Okay, so the story of God working and using him anyway, right? And this is significant. All through this narrative, we're not going to read all four verses, we're going to read, our chapter is going to read one verse. But all through this narrative, you see the total sovereign grace of God. What do I mean by the word sovereignty? Anybody want to help me out? What does sovereign mean? Callan, what? He's in control of everything. Is that what you said, Callan? Yeah, some things? No. No, everything. Sovereign, all things. That's what the Bible teaches. Ephesians 1.11. God is working all things according to the counsel of his will, including using a rebellious prophet for his purposes. So you read this narrative. Jonah goes on a boat at Joppa to go to Nineveh, and God's sovereignty has shown that God sends a storm. You ever had a storm sent in your life? God sent the storm. And then, that's in uh, 1.4. In 1.17, after the, the fishermen, these pagan sailors, they're totally pagan, anti-God, anti-everything that stands for God, they throw Jonah in the sea and, to calm the storm, and God sends a fish. And that fish, you call it a whale, Caleb. We don't know it's a whale. It's called a fish, right? Uh, fish are fish and Whales are mammals. I don't know. This is not a biology lesson. We do, we do know historically uh, that the Ninevites worshipped a big fish god, right? Um, and so it was pretty crazy when Jonah was inside the belly of this fish. Who knows how long? Three days and three nights, yes. Uh, can, you just, like, can we just sit in how freaking gross and crazy that is? Historically. God sent a fish that swallowed a man who was rebelling against God and kept him in his belly, in the belly of the fish. All the seaweed, all the gross stuff, all the belly acids. Talk about a place where you wonder if God really exists. And interesting, it was that very place that was like the womb that protected the life of Jonah until he spitted him up on the shore. Okay, and then God sends repentance to Nineveh, Jonah actually goes and he shares a five-word message and you can hear the tone of his voice. He's just like, yeah, you know, like, repent and turn from your ways, you know, whatever. And the whole city repents. Even like, even like the cattle saved. It's this crazy holistic revival in the city. And Jonah gets frustrated and angry because of God's character. He knew God's character. God sent a plant sovereignty to give him shade. Jonah's attitude didn't change. God sends a worm to eat the plant. Then God sends a scorching east wind. Okay? And God's sovereignty is seen all through this narrative. But so is his grace. He speaks to Jonah. He speaks to the fish. He speaks to the Ninevites. He speaks to Jonah again. And the character of God is central to this book. And in fact, if you look at, uh, at, uh, at chapter 3, look down real quick. Um... The people repent, let everyone relent. When God saw, uh, maybe it's chapter 4. This is, look at verse 4. Uh, this displeased Jonah when they all repented. He was angry, and he prayed to the Lord. He said, Lord, is this not what I said when I was in my country? That's why I made haste to Tarshish. 
For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and bounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Okay? So the character of God, that is, that is actually, if you want to circle that in your Bibles, it's the most repeated verse in all of the Bible. And it comes from Exodus chapter 34 when Moses says, God, show me your glory. And that's what God shows him, his character. It's the most repeated verse in the Bible. It's the anchor of this passage. Okay? Uh, so the major truth that we want to unearth from this, there's a lot of them, okay? Uh, it's, a, it's a book of reversals. The pagan sailors end up making a sacrifice to the Lord. The prophet that the Lord calls ends up rejecting God. The enemies who are murderers and rapists and, and just as far out enemies of God's people as it can be, they repent and turn. And when the prophet sees it, he gets frustrated. Like everything's reversed in this. But the major truth that's found in this nugget of Scripture is something that might surprise you. So I'm going to ask a volunteer to read for me chapter 2, verse 9. This comes from a prayer that Jonah prayed from the belly of the whale. This is written not while he's in the belly, but afterwards. All right, it's recorded. Who's going to read it for me? Verse 9. Loud, proud, and happy. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Read that last line again. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So this rebellious prophet that is inside the belly of a whale, a historical reality for multiple days, he prays to God. You might think his heart's been transformed until you see the Ninevites' heart transformed. And then all of a sudden... Uh, it's not a, he's angry again, right? Um, but he's in the belly of the whale, and he says this line, salvation belongs to the Lord. Now, we're going to talk about, really, three things that comes from this. Um, but the first is, uh, this is, this first is a setup, okay? That line echoes all throughout Scripture, Salvation belongs to the Lord. Now, we live in a fallen world, and I want your participation. Lots of brokenness, lots of hurt, lots of emptiness. And what I want to help you see, and I'm going to use a phrase. We had a, a team meeting before this, and when someone closed in prayer, they said, God, would you help us understand your deep love, right? Help us understand your deep love. And I believe that when we understand the scope of salvation, uh, the Savior, that is the true Savior of salvation, then we get a better picture of the deep love of God for you and for me, okay? So where do we see, I need your participation, areas of our life and our world where we want to see salvation? Salvation from a physical standpoint, healing, like the testimony we heard uh, a moment ago, uh, salvation from a spiritual standpoint, uh, rescue, redemption, renewal. Where do you see it? Just let me hear things. Where do you see it? Work. At work. Just because work stinks? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But where do you see it at work? All over. All over. Okay. Lots of brokenness at work. All right. Where else do we see a need for salvation? Addiction. R rescue. Addiction. Okay. Addiction's real. If you don't think addiction is real, then you have a problem that's called denial. 
okay? Uh, addiction ravages all kinds of families, uh, all kinds of individuals. There's different kinds of addictions. Shopping addictions, eating addictions, sexual addictions, uh, food addictions, did I say that already? Uh, exercise addictions, um, uh, what, what else? There's all kinds of addictions. Ravage families, individuals, lives. What other kind of places we need salvation from? Anxiety generally, depression. So there's a lot of mental struggles where people cry out from places of darkness mentally. Like, I need to be rescued. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for that vulnerability. I can identify. Where else? Relationships. Relationships. Yeah. 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 We can just say, like, there's abusive relationships. There's self-abuse. There's abuse that comes in relationships. People endure. There's victims and there's villains. Uh, but there's people that need to be rescued from very unhealthy relationships. Some of those center around work. Some of those center around dysfunctional family systems. Some of those centered around people that are, have such a poverty of insecurity, you feel like you've got to be with somebody and be accepted. Uh, and you endure a cycle where people need to be saved and rescued. Others are codependent relationships or even addictive, uh, addictive communities, relationships where people need salvation. Absolutely. Anybody else? Social media. Social media. Okay, there's a lot of neg Negatron on social media, and you, you, you don't have to scroll too long uh, to see the need for just hope and salvation. Here's the deal. We live in a fallen world, and I think we name something that hits every single category of life. Nothing's exempt. Why? Because the world that God historically created as good, Genesis 1 and 2, uh, was ruined and reordered, disordered, by the sin and rebellion of Adam and Eve. It's a historical fact. Why is all of God's good creation disordered? Because of sin. And so we live in a world where individuals and communities and families are crying out for salvation. Salvation from phys in physical ways and salvation in spiritual ways. Because the truth is, what we decide to allow our hearts and our lives to revolve around, that then becomes our God. And the proclamation of all of Scripture, and particularly the prophet of Jonah, is that there is only one place where salvation can be found. And that is salvation comes from the Lord. And so I want to read you a litany of verses that you see on there, just summaries. We're not going to have time to go into all of them. You can look at them more later. I encourage you to do it. But if you go to Psalm 37, 39, you see very clearly that salvation is only from the Lord. He is our stronghold. Psalm 62, 7, on God alone rests our hope for salvation because he's our rock and refuge. Isaiah 43, 11 literally says there's no other Savior besides the Lord. Isaiah 45, 21 says there's no other Savior besides the Lord. Mitchell, that sounds like repetition. And guess what? It is. When the Bible was written by uh, the Holy Spirit through the pens of people, uh, there was no word processor. You couldn't bold something, underline it, italicize it, and highlight it so people paid attention to it. You know how God makes his point? Repetition. Yes. There's no Savior but the Lord. You get to Jeremiah, he repeats it. Truly, the Lord is our God of salvation. Hosea 13, 4. 4 there is no Savior besides the Lord. All the way out to Revelation 7, uh, chapter 7, 9 and 10. Which, uh, can someone read that for me? Someone, read it for me. Who's got it? Just say, got it. Somebody read it for me. Caleb, you got it? Who's got it? feel like an auctioneer. Caleb, look it up for me. The same thing's repeated in Revelation 19, 1. Salvation and glory belong to our God alone. Read it, Caleb. No, sir. Revelation 7, 9 and 10. Yes, sir. Going once. Sold. Caleb, read it. 
Thank you, Caleb. Go. Listen. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All right. So the song that echoes throughout the heavens, by the way, the church is the most diverse body. It might not look like it here, but globally speaking and eternally, the church is the most diverse body in the world, period. All right. We have a lot to learn in catching up with that uh, in our culture, but it's true. And the song of salvation that everybody sings around the throne of the Lamb is that salvation belongs to the Lord, our God. And so this big truth, this major truth from Scripture, comes from the minor prophet of Jonah. Okay? And I want you to see uh, three pretty intense things really quickly. First, it's the seriousness of our sin. Sin has affected absolutely everything, and it's affected our hearts. It affects everything, all the brokenness we see in the world, all the headlines that lead to heartache, right? Our only hope can be found in heaven in the, in the promise that comes of salvation in Jesus Christ. That's it. And the brokenness of our world is reflected in our hearts. We see it, the brokenness in, in the story when you read it, uh, in the uh, evil that's described in Nineveh, and personally the rejection of God and his word in Jonah's heart. It is also described as evil. He has a nationalism that's idolatrous. He has an anger problem uh, that's mentioned multiple times. He's running from God. And then we have the, the just general paganism we see from the uh, sailors on the boat. Sin's a real issue. And sin is the source of the problem. Humanity has a deep need. Okay? But the battles that we fight because of sin are internal in our own hearts, maybe they're addiction, but they're also external in our world. And we need hope, we need healing, and salvation belongs to the Lord. The scope of salvation is all creation. Okay? When the Bible speaks of salvation, it speaks of complete renewal. A place where there's no more tears, no more death, no more mourning, where the Bible says, Revelation chapter 21, the old order has passed away. That's why when we put our faith in Christ, we become new creations, and we become part of a new community of believers that we're called to put on display the new order of the kingdom of God, living obediently under His rule and His reign. Okay? The two realities, the internal battle and the external battle, the need of hope and healing for salvation... It, the only hope for that is the cross of Christ. And so I don't have this in your notes, but I, I, I want to encourage you to read Colossians 1. But right now, I want to ask somebody to look up two sets of verses for me. Uh, can somebody look up Romans chapter 10 and look up 9 to 17? Jake, you did, only got one verse earlier. Will you read that again? Romans 10, 9 to 17. All right, right at the center of that, it says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, but the other verse that I want read is Romans 6, 1 to 5. Who will read that? Loud, proud, and happy. We're going to wrap up. Come on. Romans 6, 1 to 5. Huh? All right. Thanks, Jack. Okay. So the, 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 when we see the scope of salvation, we ha of our sin, we have to see our Savior. So we see the seriousness of sin, the scope of our salvation, and we have to see our Savior. Jesus describes himself in Matthew 20, verse 41, as the prophet greater than Jonah. Jonah spent three days in the belly of the fish. True story. Jesus spent three days in the belly of what? The earth, 
My man died. And he took the penalty, the wrath uh, that sin deserves, and he established justice on the cross so all who believe can have salvation personally. Period. And so he, he is, has a greater sign than Jonah has, and he brings a greater salvation than Jonah does. All right. Now, when we believe... Uh, in Jesus, we get his spirit and we can walk in a newness of life. Romans 6, Jack, read it loud, proud, and happy, verses 1 to 5. What shall, we, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For we have been united with Him in a death like His. All right, Jack, stop. I see a few people fading. Listen to what he's getting ready to read. If we've been united with Him in a death, listen, this is unbelievable. Go. We shall certainly be united with Him in the resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Like, that's unbelievable. That if we're united with Christ by faith, that we die with him, that we rise with him, that he gives us his Holy Spirit, that we can walk in a newness of life. That means the penalty of sin is paid. Salvation belongs to the Lord. The power of sin is gone. Sin has no power. Death has no power over you. And here's a one problem I see all the time in my life and in Christian's life. We don't believe that the victory of Jesus over the grave gives us true salvation in our struggles of sanctification. All the addictions that were mentioned, they don't have power over you. All the, all the, uh, all the, all the struggling, the headlines, the heartache that we see, the, the mental health problems. I'm not talking name it and claim it prosperity theology. I am talking about the power of God that comes through his spirit that empowers us to walk in a newness of life. It's unbelievable. And it's true. Callan, is it true? It's true. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Now, so I don't know. We're gonna, all these questions for act, application I want you to ask. And we're going to close by reading uh, Jake's passage. Uh, so, Callan, come on up. We're getting ready to close. Uh, maybe tonight you're active in rebellion like Jonah against God's will. Maybe tonight you're living as a pagan like the sailors. Maybe tonight you're participating in evil and violence like the Ninevites. Maybe tonight you just have just basic idolatry of your heart like the nationalism of Jonah or an unrighteous anger uh, that we see at the, at the end of his in the narrative. Maybe tonight you're in the place where we heard in the testimony earlier where it just doesn't seem like God's near and you need salvation. Here's the deal. Salvation belongs to the Lord alone. If you don't believe Jesus is enough for salvation, Jesus has won. Jesus dying in your place, Jesus in the grave, Jesus rising again, Jesus' spirit in you. If you don't believe that that's enough for your salvation, friends, let me shoot you straight. You don't believe the gospel. That's the good news that Jesus is king. All right? Now, if you do believe the gospel and you're like me and you struggle living in light of this reality, then you know you need community and you need power of passage like Jake's going to read. So Jake's going to read, I'm going to pray, Callan's going to sing, and we're going to end on time. Go ahead, Jake. Read it loud, loud, loud. 
Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him with whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Lord, we thank you for your word. Would you give us faith to believe? Uh, would you help us, Lord, to truly believe that salvation comes from the Lord? For those of us uh, who do believe, Lord, would you help us to have beautiful feet and to live and share the good news with our lips, our lives, our love, and even in our labor at work? Uh, Lord, we thank you that you are a God who is redeeming, you are making all things new, that you have won. Help us to live in light of that victory. And we pray, uh, we join actually all creation that will eventually sing the song of salvation, Lord. Salvation belongs to you, O God. You alone have accomplished victory, and we glorify you from it for it. And pray that we live lives from it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.